My name is Clay Wildman. I am one of the elders here at Christ Community Church. Uh, like most of you, I have a day job also. So uh, I am filling in this week for our senior pastor, Rick Roadheaver. If you're a visitor uh, and maybe you've watched some of Rick's sermons online, you're thinking, wow, Rick gained a lot of weight this week, right? <laughs> I am not Rick. So Rick and his family are on their way to Hawaii for his mother's memorial service. So uh, please pray for, for Rick and his family this week as they, uh, as they deal, with, deal with that. Uh, I do want to say again, Happy Mother's Day in particular. My mom will be watching this on So thank you, Mom, for being a great mom. And also a shout out to my wife, Debbie, for being a fantastic mother to our four children. So I uh, wanted uh, Happy Mother's Day if, for all the moms. This morning's message uh, is from Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. So open your Bibles, if you will. We're going to hit a lot of verses in Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. If I were a professional preacher, I would be able to tell you what number that page number that is in the Pew Bible. All right? You're on your own. All right? It is the sixth book of the Bible. So just start at the beginning and start flipping right. You'll, you'll get there. Okay? So Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 6 is where we'll be this morning. We're going to talk morning about uh, our, our message will be centered around a mom. The message is about God, but it's centered around a, a lady who was a mom, but not at the time of our message. She was a mom-to-be at that point. She was a single lady. Uh, it's about a woman who is the most unlikely choice for the most extraordinary purpose, a uh, most unlikely choice for a most extraordinary purpose. The message this morning, I hope, is a good message for moms, married moms and single moms. We got both. Moms who are carrying the load for a family, and that load feels big. Struggling moms, for whatever reason. For single women, also for people with a past. Okay? Men, you notice I've left you out, but but pay attention, you'll probably pick something up along the way, okay? So, but the message has a lot of application for a lot of moms and, other, and all the rest of us. This is not what you generally see as the opening slide when you come to church. <laughs> Prostitute. The very word makes, makes us a little uncomfortable. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, I came to church, but this guy's got a slide up that says prostitute, right? What do we think about? We see that word, we think about someone who is immoral, right? But we also need to think about somebody who is uh, vulnerable. They're at risk. If this is your career, you are in danger 24-7, 365. You are always living life on the edge. Institute. This morning, our, our, our message centers around a woman named Rahab, uh, the prostitute. And the Bible refers to her that way a no, on a number of occasions so that we know who, which Rahab we're talking about. Rahab, the prostitute, an unlikely choice to be used by God for an extraordinary purpose. Rahab is living in the city of Jericho. Jericho is about to be destroyed by God and the army of Israel. She lives in Jericho. 
It's not like, ooh, is it going to be destroyed? Is it not going to be destroyed? No, it's going to be destroyed. And everybody, God's decree was everybody in Jericho is going to be killed. That's where she lived. Rahab was providing for an entire family as a prostitute. All right? Providing for a family the hard way. A number of you who are women here today, hopefully not in this profession, but are providing for families, and it's hard. Okay? Rahab, providing for a family, and it was hard. She was responsible for her family's safety. She was the one that was responsible. Are the, our mom and dad, or is the family unit that's living under her roof going to make it? That was, her, that was on her and her family. She was under tremendous stress. There was a big load living on the edge. A most unlikely choice for God's most extraordinary purpose was Rahab. A woman that is held up, though, in Scripture as being an example of faith for all of us. So we'll see that this morning. Uh, if you are taking notes this morning... We'll divide our message into three parts. The grace to have faith. Rahab is held up as a great example of faith in God. The grace to have faith. Secondly, we'll look at the faith that trusted in the reality of a future promise, but in present hardship. Rahab was totally dependent upon a promise that was in the future while living in a really bad spot. And finally, we'll see faith that saved. Okay? The grace to have faith, faith that trusted in the reality of a future promise, in the face of present hardship, and faith that saved. So the grace to have faith, first section, the grace to have faith. We're going to see God's patient and powerful revelation to Jericho and all the people of Canaan. God delivered a message to the, to the people that, that Rahab was part of. Message was super clear. To them. God delivered that message. We're going to see God's mercy mission to Rahab. Imagine basically God sending Navy SEALs in to save you. All right? God's mercy mission to Rahab. And then finally, we'll look in, under the grace to have faith at God's gracious evidence that he made clear to Rahab. If you look at this verse in, in Exodus, so Exodus chapter 15. This verse was written as God's people had come out of captivity in, from Egypt. They'd been in Egypt for over 400 years. God had delivered them through his prophet Moses. They had crossed the Red Sea. They are in the wilderness. But God is, God is providing for his people. Okay? And if you, look at, if you look at Exodus 15, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. Which peoples? Okay. The people who were not God's people have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. And all the inhabitants of Canaan had melted away. God had promised to Abraham back in Genesis that, 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 that his people, his offspring, were going to go be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. 
They were there 430 years in Egypt, 40 years coming out in the wilderness. But you see here what, what the writer in Exodus is saying. You see this picture of steadfast love for the people whom you have redeemed. God's steadfast love was a fighting love for his people. What, what the writer of Exodus is saying is that all the other people in the world, the Canaanites, all the enemies of God, saw what God was doing for his people. They saw God's provision. They were without excuse, which we just saw in Romans chapter 1 a few weeks ago. The world was without excuse for not understanding who God is and what God was doing. But I want you to see again, this, this, they, were, they were afraid of, of God's people because they knew that God was powerful. But look at the very first part of this verse again. Steadfast love, okay? God's steadfast fighting love for his people. God is personal, not impersonal, not some cosmic being, right, that's just kind of floating around out there. God was being very personal and providing for his people against great opposition and just basically mowing down anything that stood in their way, including not having food, not having water in the middle of the desert. The world took notice. They saw it. You could not not see it, right? The people of the world. Rahab's people were part of that. They were, she was a Canaanite, okay? Rahab had heard about God. She had heard about God's love for his people, and she had heard about God's power. Think about Rahab the prostitute. She needed love, and she needed power. She was completely powerless. She was a, a, a marginalized person in need of love and in need of power. So we see here then that, that God sent a mercy mission. He sent some folks on a mercy mission to save Rahab. To save Rahab from what, first of all, is the question, right? God sent his people, we look at the verse, and Joshua, Joshua is the, the leader of Israel at this time, and Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of, Ra of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. God sent his spies on a mercy mission to save Rahab. The question again is, save Rahab from what? Right? God sent these people on a mercy mission to save Rahab from himself. She was saved by God from God. God was going to literally wipe out the people of Jericho. That was the promise. When he gave his people the promised land, he said, you are going to come in and take the land and you will kill all of the people. Okay? She was saved by God. God sent these spies in there to, to talk with Rahab. By the land. Did God need new information about how the city of Jericho was laid out? Right? God had already said what the plan was. Right? Did God need information about, you know, the Jericho military? You know, do they have a secret force there that I'm worried about? Something like that. No, God didn't need any information about Jericho. God sent these spies into Jericho to save Rahab the prostitute. Okay, 
sent them specifically to her house. Didn't go to the mayor, didn't go to the Girl Scout leader, didn't go to the, the, you know, the school mom, etc., etc. He had a mission to save Rahab the prostitute. God had mercy on Rahab for her good, but also, as we see this morning later, for his purpose. All right? God was very intentional about what he was doing in saving Rahab. The other part of, of this grace to have faith is that I want you to see that, that God's gracious evidence was made clear to Rahab. Again, go back to the verse in Exodus. God had made clear who he is to the world. Everybody in the known world at that time saw what God was doing with his people. Rahab saw it as well. Okay? Look at Rahab's response when God's spies, the people, came to her. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water. Okay? She knew the facts about God. She knew the facts about what God was doing. But if you look at the part in yellow. Okay? For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab with the spies made a very clear profession in the God who is. She made a profession of faith in the real God, in a very specific definition of God, okay? Again, what did she say? Not just any kind of bland idea of God. For the Lord your God, she's talking to Israelites, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not all of the, the pantheon of gods that they had in, in Canaan, right? The Canaanites were not without a bunch of gods, small g, right? She was making a profession in the God. The Lord your God, Israel, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She is saying that the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God, and he is sovereign over everything. I teach fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class most every Sunday when I'm, not, when I'm not in here. We talk about God is sovereign. What does that mean, God is sovereign over, over everything in the heavens above and the earth beneath? God is in control of 100% of 100% of everything. That's what she's saying. That God is the God that I'm professing faith in. She had faith in the God who is, who had shown himself to her, and had given her everything that she needed to have faith, including these spies coming to her house. A representative of God's people literally coming to her house in this city that within weeks was going to be leveled. Okay? A gracious, gracious evidence that God gave her. Did the other people in, in Jericho not have the information about God? Nope. They were not lacking information. It took God's grace to say to Rahab, Rahab, yes, this is me. This is me. Have faith in me. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book years ago. Okay? It says, uh, he is there and he is not silent. We see that in Rahab's life in Jericho. God was there. The people of Jericho knew everything that Rahab knew about God. They had the facts about God. What they did not have yet was that they did not have the grace to believe. God is not silent. He wasn't silent then in Jericho. God is not silent today about who he is, right? About his great love for his people and about his power, okay? 
How does God is God has spoken? God speaks to us in Scripture. You're holding a Bible in your hand. The Word of God. God has given us everything in that book that we need to know about Him and about who we are and who we are in relation to Him. Okay? God has spoken in creation. I love driving down Golden Lantern in the wintertime when the snow is on the mountains. That's just the most amazing thing every time I see it, and it makes me just say, thank you, God, for showing me who you are. It's just beautiful, right? For some of you, Tim, it's, it's floating around in the ocean with sharks. That's, that's your idea of fun for, for creation, right? Okay. So, but God has shown himself in Scripture, shown himself in creation, and God shows himself through people. Think of the people we know. Think of the people in this room whose lives have been dramatically changed. Or think of people who are faithful and they've gone through personal tragedy and they are just solidly trusting in, in God, not wavering. God has spoken to us through his people also, okay? What about you today? God is not silent. He has spoken clearly to all of us. We've got scripture, we've got creation, we've got the evidence of God's people as well. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about God, you know, maybe I'll have faith, you know, maybe, maybe I'm ready to have faith, but, you know, I'm just going to sit on it a little bit longer. The people in Jericho thought they had more time. They knew that the Israelite army was coming. There was no doubt about it. They knew. But it was flood stage. It was flood season. The, the Jordan River that the people of Israel had to cross to get to Jericho was, almost, was literally, by most accounts, a mile wide at flood stage. Okay, there's no bridge, right? And so the people of Jericho probably thought, eh, we got some time before these Israelites get here. I'll think about this. They didn't account for God literally drying up the Jordan River so his people could just roll across. They were there really fast. Okay, real case in point, young people. By the time I was 22 years old, I buried three friends. Wrestling teammate, fraternity brother, and a very close friend of mine, another very close friend. Age 22, three funerals. We don't know, don't assume that we have time to make a decision about God. There's a great New, New Testament passage that parallels this concept of the grace to have faith. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. God gave great Rahab a merciful gift. He sent two spies to see her so that she could confess, could profess the faith of God to God's people. Okay, clearly. God sent a mercy mission to Rahab, okay? If you are a Christian today, think about how God saved you. Think about it for a minute. It's a gift. Who are the people that God sent to you? What were the situations that God put you in which may have been really difficult situations that made you respond to his grace in faith? For some of you this morning, literally being here may be the mercy mission that God is on to save you, okay? Consider that as well if you're here. So we see 
the grace to have faith, we want to look next at faith that trusted in the reality of a future promise in the face of present hardship. Rahab had a decision to make sitting in Jericho. Okay? It was clear cut, like death, all in. No ambiguity. Black and white. All right? If you look at the top, behold. This is, these are the spies, okay, speaking to Rahab now. She has professed God to be her God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel to be her God. When we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother and your brother and all your father's household. Okay, then it goes on to say something really sweet, nice greeting card language, all right? But if you go outside, you're going to die. Okay? Clear cut. Life or death. All in. Okay? Rahab, you've professed your faith in Christ, or in God at this point, and God of, the God of Israel. Tie a scarlet cord in the window. Be quiet about the spies. Okay? Take God's side versus your culture's side, versus your tradition's side. Okay? Remember, black, clear-cut, life or death, all in. Everybody in Jericho except Rahab and her family who obeyed God's command died. Clear-cut, life and death, all in. Rahab had a black and white choice then. We have them now. What were Rahab's choices? God. Trust in God. God said, I'm going to give this land to my people. I am the God who loves my people. I'm the God with power to save my people. I, can, I love you, Rahab, and, and can save you. God. Other alternatives, okay? How about God plus some of the traditional gods of her, of her culture that she grew up with? Not going to work. How about God plus uh, the military in Jericho? All right? How about... How about God plus those walls? Those are some big walls, right? Or just God plus her own ingenuity, her own capability, her own abilities, right? These are Rahab's choices. She's sitting there, right, having to think, all right, God or something else. Today, for some of us in the room who are Christians, who have professed faith in Christ, we keep wanting to put something on that list. Well, it's God plus my career. It's God plus my money. I'll be, I'll be safe on that. Okay? It is, it is God plus my health. I'm going to work really, really hard and be really, really healthy. It's God plus my gun stash and my MREs for when the apocalypse comes, right? Whatever it may be, we always have the temptation to want to start adding to God. Rahab had one option to be saved, and it's God. So, she trusted in the reality of a future promise to be saved, okay? Life or death, clear cut. That future promise required an outward sign in a hostile environment. She had to do something that was visible in a, in a tough environment. Rahab showed her faith was real through obedience, all right? Keep in mind, she's saved. She's part of the people of God for all of eternity. She's still in Jericho. 
God didn't just zap her magically out of her problems. Saved her, saved her soul for eternity. She was belonged to God, but she was still in Jericho, right? By my account, she was in Jericho a minimum of three weeks before God's people came in to rescue her. She's sitting there for three weeks. She was vulnerable. She was worried, is my family going to hold together? One of them going to break ranks and run out of the house, and then they're going to get killed. Right? Worried she would be found out. What if the Jericho army figures out that I am not on Team Jericho anymore? Three, at least three weeks, she's sitting here in a really bad spot. Still in a bad situation, but in relationship with the God of the universe, the God that loves her and the God that had the power to save her. Neither of those were wavering. Okay? She was trusting in God's future promise while she was there. Some of us in the room, we get in Jericho situations. Maybe it's three weeks. It's tough. Life's hard, right? There are threats all over the place. What about my family, right? They're going to be okay? I don't know. Maybe it's three years. Maybe it's 33 years that we're in some of these, some of these situations. Do we trust that God knows us personally, that God loves us, and that God's promise is that all things work for good for those who love God, who love the Lord, are called according to His purpose? Do we believe that? We may be three weeks, we may be three years. I saw earlier in here the, the note for the uh, parents of prodigals getting together and praying for unsaved adult children or children who have wandered from the faith. That may be our Jericho situation, right? Do we trust in God's provision there, okay? She, she trusted God. And, and we saw her faith through obedience. I want you to think also about the scarlet cord. What could be more obvious than red? Jericho had to hang this thing out of her window. I mean, why not beige? Right? Can I be a beige Christian? Right? Can I follow God just kind of in beige where I don't really stand out too much and don't make a big scene or anything? No, it's red. Right? It was red. The, uh, the, power that, uh, the power that saved Rahab then is the same power that, that saves us today. What does it look like? If you look at Romans chapter 1, we read this a few weeks ago. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. While Rahab's sitting there in her time of difficulty, okay, at least three weeks, God had to protect her. In order to do that, God had to know her personally. She had to be protected from the people in Jericho. God had to have sovereign control over the people of Jericho, not to, not to attack her. She had to be protected when the walls came down. If you know the end of the story, God knocks down the walls of the city. Where was her house? In the wall. Great plan. God's going to knock down the walls of Jericho. Awesome. Oh, wait, my house is in the wall. All right. God had to have control over bricks not to hit her in the head. Literally. Okay. God had to have control to make sure that she was safe 
by making sure the Israelite soldiers knew who she was and did not accidentally kill her. Right? We think about that. God had to get her out when everyone else was being killed. That's a lot for God to manage if you're Rahab. And sometimes when we look at our Rahab-like situations, we think, I just don't see how God can do this, right? There's just so much. And we get overwhelmed by the magnitude of what we need to be saved from, from the provision that we are totally relying upon God to provide for us. Yet we see in Rahab God taking care of every intricate detail. God fixed Rahab's physical problem. He saved her from physical death. He also fixed her spiritual problem. He saved her soul for all of eternity to be part of his people. God has the power to do both. The other thing I want you to see here in terms of trusting in a future promise, Rahab required an oath. All right, these spies said, hey, you know, we're going to come back and get you, etc. And she says, okay, I need a sign. All right, I like you guys, you're all good, but, but I need a sign. Look at what's on the screen in the, in the highlighted area. You also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. Rahab needed an oath. She needed a sign from God's people, God's representatives, that she was going to be saved. In order for that sign to be any good, the oath givers, the giver of the sign, needed to be trustworthy. Can I trust these guys? Secondly, do they have the power to actually do what they are saying they are going to do? Rahab, we are going to come and rescue you from death. She sized them up. It's a good thing. That was a very reasonable request. Look at what they said, our life for yours, even to death. Our life for yours, even to death. What a beautiful picture of what God has done to save us. God literally, in, in, in Jesus Christ, God the Son literally gave his life for ours so that we can be saved from death for all of eternity, not just immediately, but forever. God himself did what these, what these spies were promising to do, our life for yours, even to death. God himself did that for us through Christ. What an amazing picture that is, okay? What's the sign of that oath? God's promise to us, hey, I will save you. If your faith is in Jesus Christ as salvation for your sin, I will give you eternal life forever and ever and ever. And we say, okay, that's great, God. I need a sign. The resurrection. Jesus Christ did not stay dead when he was killed. God gave us a sign. He gave us an oath similar to what Rahab asked of the spies. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. What? Not a result, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Rahab could not boast in her salvation. She was dependent solely upon God. Against amazing odds with variables spinning all over the place, and yet let's look at faith that saved. God rewarded Rahab's saving faith by saving Rahab. He saved her family, those she loved, people she loved, 
and God saved future generations of people, even many of us here today, matter of fact, if we have faith in Christ, all of us here today, through Rahab. Okay, what do you mean by that? Okay, if we, if we look at this, we see that, that God's uh, plan or his promise to save Rahab, it happened, physically happened, right? You see Joshua's intentionality saying to the, to the folks at the top, but the two men who'd spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house. The people of Israel are getting ready to take over Jericho. Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out from there. The woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. Go to the bottom. But Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belong to her, Joshua saved alive. God was intentional still in saving Rahab and her family. Still. Joshua, the head of the army, hey guys, make sure you go get her as we promised, right? God saved her and saved her family because he has the power to save. And he had the intention to save Rahab. We also see, though, faith that, that saved for eternity, okay? Rahab was saved not just out of that temporal situation of not, you know, dying in Jericho, but look at, look at Joshua 6. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab was saved to be an important member of God's people. All right? They, the Israelites didn't take Rahab out of Jericho and say, okay, you dirty Gentile, Canaanite, heathen, get away from us. We are pure God's people, right? No, it's not how it happened. She didn't just get saved from the moment, though. Notice this. Rahab went and lived with God's people for the rest of her life. She didn't just get saved out of the moment and then go, hey, I got what I needed from God, didn't die in Jericho, really good. These, these Jewish people over here, eh, I don't know if they're my cup of tea. I'm gone. It's not what happened. She wanted to be with God. She wanted to be with God's people for the rest of her life. It went beyond just using God to solve her crisis in the current moment. Okay? She went to be with God's people. We see in the book of Acts in the New Testament church a sure sign of saving faith, of actual faith in God. Faith is a, on this side of the cross, a faith in Christ. A sure sign of, of that being real is a desire to be with God and his people. A desire to be with God and his people. Loving God and loving God's people always goes together. We see that picture out of Rahab. We see that her faith was real in that regard. We also see that, that Rahab was saved not to be a second-class citizen among God's people. We see that. Hebrews chapter 11. Okay? Hebrews chapter 11, if you know the chapter, God is listing out all of these people that are examples of faith, and their faith had legs to it, faith that actually took action. Imagine you're a Jewish believer 2,000 years ago, and you read, by faith Moses, and then you read, by faith Rahab, the Gentile Canaanite prostitute, in the same verse. God is saying clearly, Rahab's faith is just as awesome to him as Moses' faith. 
Rahab was not saved to be a second-class citizen in God's family. Okay? She was saved to be among God's family as a vital part of the family. And then finally, she was not only not saved to not be second-class, she was not only not second-class, Rahab was saved to be an extraordinary part of God's purpose. Look at Matthew, or look at, uh, where do we go here? Click, there we go. Okay, Matthew chapter 1. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, etc., etc. The family lineage of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, comes through Rahab. Rahab, the mother of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, in the next book in, in the scripture, book of Ruth. Boaz, Rahab's son, an example of, of a kinsman redeemer, a, a, an example of what Christ would be to us. King David came through her family line. Jesus Christ's earthly lineage was through Rahab the prostitute. God saved Rahab for an extraordinary purpose, an unlikely choice for an extraordinary purpose. Barbara Ann Kelly wrote a great article. I encourage you to go on the Gospel Coalition website and read it in its entirety. A fantastic article, God's mission to, to Rahab to rescue a prostitute. Okay? Some of us, as we read that article, as we think about Rahab, we need to boldly move out of thinking of ourselves as second-class citizens in God's family. Oh, you know, I'm not really, man, I just need to hang back. God did not save us to hang back. We're a vital part of it. If you are saved by God through Christ, if he thought enough of you to let the blood save you, he's got a role for you. He's got a spot. Okay? Some of us need to get past our past. Some of us have some pasts that would, that would make a good movie. The kind of movie that we probably shouldn't be going to watch. But some of us have past that we need to get past. All right? God has delivered us from that. We don't have to be mired in it. Some of us need to understand, all of us need to understand, frankly. God went on a mercy mission to save unlikely choices like us for extraordinary purposes that he prepared in advance. I'll read you in, in closing backwards. In closing, I'm going to read you what Barbara Ann Kelly wrote, an excerpt. Christian, do you bear the weight of a dark and shameful past? Do your former sins taunt you with the lie that surely you must be a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God? Are you hesitant to share your testimony or use your gifts to encourage and build up the church? The magnificence of the gospel is that we were all wretched sinners and are saved by God's amazing grace. In sending Christ, he sent a rescue party to redeem you from sin and judgment. He's not ashamed to be called your God. You, dear one, because of the great love with which he loved you, are a trophy of his glorious grace. God has been working out his purposes in and through his chosen people throughout history. He chooses unlikely heroes, miserable failures, and those lost in the depths of their sin. God has, makes unlikely choices 
and uses us for extraordinary purposes. I will ask you to stand with me. The parallel of stand with me, and we're going to read this verse together. So you see God saving the, the last part of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. God saves us for works that he has prepared beforehand for us. If you have faith in Jesus Christ today, if God has saved you, as we read this together, rejoice in that. Rejoice in the works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. If you are sitting here today and you're thinking, okay, I'm coming to faith. I have faith in God. I have faith that Jesus Christ is my Savior. God can save me and give me eternal life. Read this as a prayer as we read it together. Join me in reading. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for today. Thank you for this amazing example of someone that we would clearly recognize as sinful. Uh, prostitute is not a good job. Yet, God, we are all in the same boat. We are all sinful people, and we are in need of, need of saving. God, for many of us in this room, you have been merciful and sent people. You have sent your word. You have sent parents. You have sent uh, loved ones. You've sent friends, coaches, whatever it may be, to bring the gospel to us, and I thank you for that. God, if, if there are those of us today who are, who are wrestling with this idea, can I trust you? God, press upon them that you, that you have saved a prostitute and from her line brought the, your son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. What a great thing. What a great reflection of, of your love for your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.